All right, it's good to see you all this morning. If you don't know me, my name's Dan. I'm one of the pastors here. And, uh, you know, this morning, if I were to say, why am I preaching this morning? I'm preaching because I love Jesus. And my question to you would be, why do you love Jesus? It's like if I really wanted to capture why I'm here and why I do what I do, why I'm a pastor, why am I taking a moment on a Sunday morning to talk? It's because I, I want us to know Jesus. I want us to see Jesus. And I want us to fall in love with him. That's why I'm preaching this morning. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's sometimes easy to forget that. And I think the Gospels, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, convey to us who Jesus is. And I, I want you to know him. And so I'm going to ask Jesus to make him known to you this morning, that he would become truly as beautiful and lovely to you in your heart and your soul as he really is. And so would you pray with me? Jesus, <clears throat> you, you've asked us to come to you and ask you for anything and everything. And so Jesus, in these moments, I pray that you would make yourself known that the stories of the Bible would come to life. And that, Jesus, we would respond like Peter and say, where else can we go, Lord? But you have the words of eternal life. Instill in our hearts faith and love and hope as we see you and walk with you this morning. And we ask this in your name. Last week, um, <clears throat> Bill talked about how we're starting the new year with something different than resolutions and goals, like things that we can do. We're just trying to start this year with resetting our life with Christ. That we would drink Jesus and that we'd walk with Jesus. And I want to say that Jesus truly is the only one that can reset your life. I don't know about you, but I mean, I, I think I've come into the new year kind of feeling like, man, I, I just don't feel like my life's all together, right? It's like that computer that you know that, man, my screen's all messed up. It's not working for me. And I just want to hit the Control-Alt-Delete, maybe for the older folks in the room, to reset the computer so that it works again. And that's kind of how our souls work. We need to be reset. And the only one that can do that is Jesus. He is the one who's able to reset your life. And I don't know where you're at, but I, I do know this, that many of you, because I've been with you this week, many of you feel broken. And you're hurting. And this is what I love about Jesus. 
He's with the people and he's near to the people that are broken and hurting. And I love that about him. I now want you to. Maybe you've come this morning as a skeptic and you're doubting if God even exists. Maybe you're coming this morning and you're apathetic and you're really not paying attention to Jesus at all. Or maybe you've come just so broken. This morning, I want you to hear and see Jesus. And so if you would, would you turn your Bible to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, we're going to read verses 24 through 35. My sermon this morning is going to be a little different. I'm going to try to speak less and share a story. And allow the stories of the Gospels to speak to our souls. Because it's only Jesus that has the words of eternal life that bring change and hope and healing in our moments of grief. John chapter 6. You have to excuse me for some odd reason I'm... I can't talk this morning. I need Jesus, right? So, John chapter 6, verse 24. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and they went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answers answers them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Remember, he had just fed the 5,000. So they had just eaten, right? Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answers them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we would see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave gave them from heaven bread to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger And whoever believes in me will never thirst. So as you hear Jesus this morning, he is saying to you and me, he is the bread of life. He is for you. He is with you. He gives you everything you need and he walks with you through it all. So if you've come this morning, and you're angry or you're frustrated 
You're alone. You've been betrayed. You're insecure. You're anxious. You're worrying about life. You're fearful. You can't rest. You can't sleep. You feel like no one listens and no one understands and no one's there for you and no one loves you. What I'm telling you this morning is that Jesus is with you through it all. And you can't fix yourself and you can't always fix the problems in your life. But he can walk with you through those things. And he's enough because he is our daily bread. He's enough in this life. And so this morning, if there's something I want you to understand, it's kind of the big idea, is that I want you to reset your entire life by coming to Jesus and trusting him. I think for me, that's what I picture of what it means to walk with Jesus. I'm walking step by step, every step of the way, and every step that I take, I am trusting Jesus every step I take. And sometimes steps are easy, and sometimes steps are very difficult. And so Jesus this morning wants us first to come to him. That's my first point. If you're going to reset your life, come to Jesus. Come to him. Come to him with everything. You notice what he said in that last verse in John 6, 35? He says, come to me and you won't hunger. Jesus is inviting us into this vibrant relationship where we can know him. We can have a deep, abiding relationship with him where we're walking with him. That's what it means to come to Jesus. It means that you know him. I mean, do you really know Jesus? Do you really know him? Do you know him the way that the people did? You know the stories. I mean, do you know him the way the hemorrhaging woman who had this blood issue, that she, she spent all of her money all of it, because the doctors couldn't fix her. And she said, Lord, if, if I could just touch the hem of your, just the hem of your robe, I'd be healed. You see, she came to Jesus knowing that he had the power, because he's the almighty God. Or do you come to him the way Jairus did and his daughter is dying. And he said, Lord, if you, just, if you just lay your hand on her, I know she'd be well. Jairus knew that Jesus was able to heal, truly able to heal. He is God the healer. Or blind, blind Bartimaeus comes to Jesus and said, Lord, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, let me, let me recover my sight. The blind man knew that Jesus could restore his sight. 
that he's the God of restoration. Or maybe you're the leper this morning. And the leper comes to Jesus and says, Lord, you, you can make me clean. He knew that Jesus cleanses the soul, cleanses the body, provides forgiveness, frees you from guilt and shame and regret. Do you know Jesus the way they knew him? Do you believe that about him? That he, he is the one that can come into your life, cleanse your conscience, break your chains, and overcome the overwhelming things that you face on a daily basis. That's what Jesus is bringing us to when we come to him and we really know him. That's why why Paul says in Philippians 3 that I, I want to know Christ, but I don't want to just know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection, that there's a power in the knowing Is that the Jesus that you know? That he, he is all you need. Because he does. He has all the power. He has all the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace that you need. And so there's a a knowing in coming to Jesus. And there's an asking. I, I love this about Jesus. He invites me to talk to him. He invites me into a relationship with him. Communication is necessary in relationship. Jesus wants us to ask him for everything. It's interesting. I I was just walking through the the gospel stories, and it's fascinating to me how many times they come to Jesus asking. They have a need, so they ask the Savior to meet that need. And then how many times does, I think it's over 20 times I read where Jesus says, ask and you will receive. Ask and it will be done for you. Just ask. The Lord's Prayer, give us this day. Lord, would you just, I just need this day. I need enough for this day. Give me my daily bread. Give me you, more of you in my life. Is that, is that reflective of the way you ask Jesus? Or do you do this with Jesus? Do you come to Jesus like he's drive through Jesus? You look to Jesus like the server at McDonald's and you say, Lord, I'll take a number one. My finances are terrible. So just take, take this away. Or number two, Lord, get me out of this family mess I'm in. Lord, I'll take a number three. My body does not work the way it used to. Do you see what we do with Jesus? Like, 
We, we come to him like he's a server or a barista, and I just wonder what's on this order so that you'll make my life convenient. And what do we do when Jesus doesn't give us that order like in the next two minutes? What do we do with him? Here's what you do. You get angry with him. You get frustrated. You complain. You get fearful. And here's what we do with Jesus. We say, Jesus, you're not taking away my problems. And we completely become apathetic towards him. And when we do that with Jesus, we remove relationship. We remove our relationship from him. Jesus becomes a server rather than a savior. Do you do that? Has Jesus become a mere server rather than a savior? He cares about everything. He does. But the attitude of our heart has got to move away from thinking Jesus is a magic genie and thinking there's not going to be a problem in our life. No, no. He promised to be with us in the problem, to be our bread, our sustaining life through it all. I, I can just imagine myself kind of doing this in the story of the man who was lowered through the roof, okay? So there's a story in Mark chapter 2 where this paralytic man has great friends. Jesus is in this house, and he's healing people, and they know if they can get their friend to Jesus, he'll no longer be paralytic. And so what do these guys do? These are great friends, right? This is awesome. These guys go up to the roof, cut the tile away in the roof to lower their friends or their friend through the roof so that he can see Jesus. And so they do this. He comes to Jesus. And what is the first thing Jesus says to the guy? Your sins are forgiven. Now, if I were that paralytic dude, I'd be like, what? My sins are forgiven? I didn't come for you to forgive my sins. I came to walk again. Don't you understand? I can't walk. I would treat Jesus like a server rather than a savior. And you all, that's where you're at in life. You think that your problems are so great that he can't overcome them. You think that the greatest thing that you need is physical needs or emotional needs, or needs my depression, or my anxiety, or my body's not working right, when the real need in your life is to have your heart changed. And Jesus wants to come in and move your heart so that you trust him. 
for everything, so that you'd come to him for everything, so that you'd realize truly, truly he is the one who has eternity in his hands. And I, when I come to him, there is eternity with me, that I will be with him forever. That's where he wants to move our hearts this morning, that we would come to him and trust him for everything and anything, that he is our bread. And you won't come to him. You will not come to Jesus unless you trust him. Right? I don't go to people for help or I don't go to people for advice unless I what? Trust them. That's the second thing he's teaching us, right? He wants us to come to him and he wants us to trust him. So this morning, you all, do you trust Jesus wholeheartedly? That's what he says in John 6. I am the bread of life, verse 35. Whoever comes to me will not hunger, and whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me will never thirst. We have to believe. We have to believe and trust him. I I love what the author of Hebrews says about faith and trusting Jesus. Without faith, this is Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith... It's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Did you catch that? We trust and believe that he rewards those who seek him. That's what all of these stories in the Bible are about. All of those folks, what are they doing when they come to Jesus? They're believing, believing he will reward them. They come to Jesus with such a vibrant, unshakable, living faith. They trust him wholeheartedly. And his rewards, okay, his rewards aren't always our rewards. The greatest reward is himself. That you have the God of the universe on your side. He loves you. He knows you. He'll provide for your every need. He really will even through difficulty. But you've got to trust him. See, this is, this is where the stories of the Bible come to life for us and help us. There's two stories in the Bible of storms. I think you're familiar with them. If you would, let's read these two stories of storms in the Bible. Let's, uh, would you turn to Mark chapter 4? Okay. Mark chapter 4, New Testament, Matthew, then Mark. And we're going to start in verse 35. Mark chapter 4, verse 35.
On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. In leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke. He rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I mean, just picture yourself in that, in that storm, right? You're going through a storm in your life. And here's your response. Jesus, you're asleep. Don't you care that I'm perishing? That's us. That's us in the storm. Don't you care? Maybe that's how you feel right now. Is Jesus, don't you care? And then Jesus takes the storm and says, peace, be still. And he calms the raging sea. Jesus is able to calm the raging sea in your life. Can you trust him for that? That's one story, right? Of the raging seas. And then secondly, I want you just to take a look at Matthew chapter 14, 22 through 33. So just a book ahead. Matthew chapter 14, 22 through verse 33. This is a picture of another storm where Peter's with Jesus and the disciples in the storm. All right? This is a different scenario. This is not the same story. Okay, so this is a different historical event. Starting in verse 22, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while they dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it's I. Do not be afraid. And Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. 
So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got back into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat, they worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. In, in this scenario, the disciples now are in the boat, and Jesus is not even close to them. A storm again is happening. And Jesus performs a miracle because he's the God of the seas. He's walking on the water to them. And this is what Peter does. Lord, let me walk out to you. And so Peter starts walking to Jesus through the storm. The storm's still going on. And then what happens once he takes his eyes off Jesus and looks at the wind and the waves? Fear. And he starts sinking. You see, Peter is going through the storm. And his eyes look on the circumstance around him and his faith shrivels. And I love this. Jesus goes and reaches down to him and touches him and picks him up and says, why did you doubt? Isn't it interesting to you and me that in these two scenarios, in one, he completely stops the storm. In the second, he walks with Peter through the storm. Do you see what he's doing in the storms? In the storms of life, what is Jesus doing? He's teaching us to trust him wholeheartedly. Notice that's what he says to the disciples in the boat. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? That's why he says to Peter, Peter, oh you of little faith, why did you doubt? He is teaching us faith. And for some of you this morning, there are storms in life. And sometimes the, storm, the storms in life, sometimes they're inside of us. Our self-confidence, our bitterness, our anger. And Jesus has to walk you through that. Because only he can. Only he can handle the internal struggle of the soul. And sometimes the storms are outside of us. The things that are not in our control, whether it's sickness or cancer or stroke 
or your children aren't healthy, they're not walking right, and you're not in control. And Jesus is inviting us to trust him in both of these storms. And his promise is to walk with us through them. And sometimes you know, he delivers us. He doesn't always deliver us, though. Look how they responded. Did you see how faith responds to the storms? I, I love how faith responds to the storm. Jesus stops the storm and they say this. Who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? He is the sovereign God who's over it all. That's faith responding to the storm. And some of you, he's delivered you from so much. Is that how you're responding now? You've taken all these storms in my life and you freed me. I trust you. And then the other response, when Peter comes back from walking on the water, Jesus with them, then he stops the storm and they say, truly, you are the son of God. Is he the son of God? Is he the risen savior? Is he the mighty holy one from all eternity who can overcome all things, who can raise your life from the dead? Is that how your faith is responding? Through the storm? That's where the Lord wants to lead you. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus, brothers and sisters. Come to him and find rest for your weary soul. Trust him with everything. In seeing these stories, I want you to see how he heals the hurting, how he uplifts the broken, how he mends the wounded, how he forgives the shame prostitute. I want you to believe the one that rose Lazarus from the dead. I want you to believe on the one who calms all the raging seas. I want you to believe on the one who's risen from the dead, who now reigns as the eternal God and the king of the universe. See him in the stories. See yourself in the stories. Truly, they are life and breath for those of us who believe. And so I'm just, I'm just thinking like daily, daily, what do I mean by walking with Jesus? What do I mean by coming to him and trusting him? How do I do that, Dan? You take a look. I am. Um, put a little bookmark in your bulletin. He uses the scriptures to help us come to him and believe in him. And actually, 
for many of you, I, I asked many of you to tell me, what are your favorite stories of Jesus? I took your advice. And I put down 14 stories of our Savior. My encouragement to you is read. And notice, look, I didn't give any goals like, you know, I didn't see, you got to have it done. I just gave you some days. If you, only, if you only read one this week, hallelujah. Maybe that's your step, just to read one. But I want you to see Jesus in the story. See yourself in the story. For me personally, this week I've been um, listening to the Gospels in my car. And at night I'm, I've been listening to the Gospels. It's helped me. Um, I'm listening to an album right now uh, called The Jesus Demos by Rich Mullins. And the Jesus Demos record, it, it captures our imaginations in thinking about Jesus. It does it very well. It highlights the gospel stories. So that's... Um, his name is Rich Mullins. The album is The Jesus Demos. I encourage you to, to hear that. But the filmmakers in the room, or those of you who have to watch something, I do. I commend to you The Chosen. It takes liberty, but I think it presents Jesus in a compelling way that you would know him and trust him. And then finally, I want you to take a walk with Jesus. Would you ask him? Would you ask him? Ask him about everything? Everything. The hurt? The betrayal? The frustration? The worry, the regret, the shame, the guilt? All of it, would you ask him to come, bring comfort, healing, peace, joy, hope, faith in all of it? He will answer that prayer. I know he's done it for me. And he will do it for you. Because he is the risen, living Christ. He is the bread of life. That if you come to him, you'll never be hungry. And if you believe on him, you will never be thirsty again. Because he is your everything. Amen. Amen. As we come to communion, I want to take a moment for you to ask the Lord to heal your soul. Some of you are doubting. Some of you are hurting. Some of you are skeptical. Some of you are ticked. Just take a moment and I just want you to ask Jesus to help you. 
wherever you're at in here internally. And after service, if you just uh, if you just need prayer, man, come to me or Pastor, Pastor Bill or Michael or really anyone. We love to ask Jesus for you, just so that you know He loves you and cares for you. Let's just take a moment before we take communion this morning and ask the Lord to help us. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you that uh, you're present and you love us. And you know us better than we ever dream of. I thank you that you calm the raging seas and you walk with us through our seas, our storms, our struggles. As we take communion this morning, I pray that, Lord, we would worship you. We would adore you. We would love you as the one who has come for us to bring healing and forgiveness of our souls. Amen.